Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest bump. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. 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 Oh, Mr. On Well, Andy, this is our first podcast with the Patriots loss. How do you feel? I feel no. Oh, yeah. No, not that either. No, um, I mean, we talked about it all last week, right? The first test of the season. And we actually have talked about it dating back to the schedule coming out that the first real tests were starting with this Ravens game in Baltimore and going from there. Um, I picked the Patriots to win this game. I'm not surprised they lost by any means. This, The issues they've had on run defense have been building, I think, since Frank Gore and the Bills. And it kind of bottomed out last week against the Browns right up until it bottomed out again this week uh, against the Ravens. So I'm going to take a positive side of this and say, yes, me, change of pace here. I'm going to be a little positive. I think that, you know, if you take away the first three possessions for both teams, the Patriots were the better team. And I think you could take more from this game that they're better prepared to face the Ravens again. They figured out what they can do against them on both sides of the ball. And once they figured things out, coaching and all that, they were fine and were the better team take away the first three drives. I think those are the words of a loser. Um, Cause I think that's what the Browns would try to convince themselves. Well, you take away three turnovers and three straight plays. I mean, I've seen so many teams over the years leave with that sort of mentality, you know, playing the Patriots. And this was an example. I wrote this for our website last night. This was a typical Patriots game, except for the complete role reversal. They made stupid mistakes you know, the Shalik Calhoun penalty early in the game, massive. You turn a field goal into a touchdown, and then you combine that with the Ravens' defensive three and out. They get another field goal. They're up 10 nothing. That's a very Patriots start to a game right there. That feels like the Patriots, the way they would start fast, play complimentary football, control the game. Control is the word, actually, that Devin McCourty used a number of times. They controlled the game, and... You can talk yourself into moral victories and all that, but you know Bill Belichick, I thought, was a little pissy post-game, although he did get to break out for the first time this year. we got to coach it better and play it better. I know he's been that one's been in his back pocket for eight-plus weeks. Um, so, yes, there, this could have gone either way. This, game, this was one of those – this was a, a Patriots-Ravens game. A Patriots-Ravens could have been January, could have been New England, could be Baltimore Sunday night, midseason, whatever. Patriots-Ravens. I thought Harbaugh made some plays, uh, made some calls and some decisions to help his team. That fourth down decision to go for it sort of ended the game in some ways. Um, that was never a question of him not going for it, though. I saw people on Twitter and talking about it. Like, that was a guarantee go for it. Like, there was no decision to be made. Except for other coaches would have a decision to make. I think there's other coaches that would be afraid or at least ponder it. He doesn't. He plays to beat the Patriots. You know, there was even the Michelle Tafoya line. I don't know if you saw on the broadcast where he apparently told the production meeting, everything we do is is built around two things, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots. That's how they build their football team, and that's where they want to be. They did that last night, and I give them credit, but it wasn't easy. You're right. This could have gone the other way. Certainly, the turnover game, which, which fumble, which turnover was going to be the game changer or the key play of the game, Cyrus Jones, old friend. Um, finally, that second round pick could have paid off for uh, the punt that helped the Patriots, I think, stay in the game. 
Otherwise, I think this could have really been a blowout, really been an embarrassing loss, more than 17 points. Um, and then the Julian Edelman, unfortunate fumble, which I don't know if you agree with me or not. Or I think there's a chance the hurry-up tempo offense, which works so well, kept the Ravens on the field, kept the Ravens from making plays, also I think may have contributed to that fumble. I thought Edelman looked really gassed on the catch before that, then that catch, and after the fumble – and we know he still has the ribs slash chest injury that he's dealing with. Um, so there were there were a lot of ebbs and flows, good plays, bad plays. The the McCourty penalty on the second to last drive, a third down hands to the face that extended the drive. Usually that's the Patriots on offense getting that penalty on third down to extend the drive. And yet the shoe was on the other foot. So I guess we go a couple of ways with this. With the, the up-tempo, um, I, I think that that was clearly the, the Patriots had that going in. That's what they wanted to do when they were going to stick to it. And I think that even if – like they were okay with the start because I think ultimately down the road they figured that that was going to pay off and the Ravens were going to be gassed on defense. So they didn't care if they got down – You know, I don't think – obviously they didn't want to get down 17 points, but they didn't care – they could sacrifice the first quarter if it was going to tire the Ravens out, and that was part of their game plan to maybe come from behind in the fourth quarter. For whatever reason, they thought that, that was the way to beat the Ravens' defense. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they planned to come from behind. They no, were- but like they were okay sacrificing points in the first quarter if they had to because they didn't necessarily start to slow the game down once they were down 10 nothing. They still want that up-tempo. If their mentality was that, then I think it was a flawed mentality, and maybe that's what Bill Belichick was talking about when he told Michelle Tafoya they got out coached very badly in the first quarter. Um, if there was any of that, like, you know, we'll give up points, but we'll come back, that's a terrible mentality, especially, by the way, for a team that has trouble scoring points. I'm not, talk, I'm not saying that it was a bad mentality. What I'm saying is after the first drive, if they were upset with the way that that went and how the defense had to go right back on the field after taking up 26 seconds, they would have changed their second drive and gone away from the hurry up to keep the to try to get some time off the clock for their defense, and they didn't do that. Well, I don't think you can scrap a game plan that early. Otherwise, you look like a buffoon, right, as a coaching staff. I mean, if we work – Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday for six days. And all of a sudden, oh, my God, we got punched in the mouth. We're going to change everything we did. Well, then it wasn't that good a plan to start with. So I agree with sticking to it. I thought the tempo worked for them. I thought they moved the ball pretty well as the game wore on. But turnovers and the circumstances and the Ravens, give the Ravens credit. Those are big boy drives at the end of the game. There's a lot, a lot of teams that do that that drive it, what, a total of like 17 and a half minutes? I mean, so they had a massive drive to start the game, and then they had two massive drives to end it. You got beat. You know, I I wrote this. The bully got bullied on the road in Baltimore. The Patriots usually bully people, control the game, and this was a a time when the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, controlled the game. They got some breaks. The Patriots gave them some plays. But that happens every week, I think, for every team that wins. You get breaks, you get plays. You know, the pick play on the the fourth down conversion. I personally don't think it's a pick. um, But I know a lot of Patriots fans will complain. I know a lot of Patriots fans thought that the center bobbed his head or whatever to draw Shalit Calhoun offsides. Maybe as Belichick. I give Belichick credit. He said there's a lot of that. You know, that happens. So you got caught. You can't can't fall victim to it if you're Shalit Calhoun or, or one of those guys up front. So... I don't think 
the Patriots lost this game as much as the Ravens. They won it. They were in a good spot, right? At home on Sunday night football, that's a good spot, especially. Coming off a bye. Yeah, coming off a bye, especially on a weekend for whatever reason, every home team won. Continue the trend. Um, simple question. If Julian Edelman does not fumble that in the third quarter, do the Patriots win the game? I'm going to say no. I, know, I mean, I know that that's – it's hard because the whole my whole butterfly effect yeah. thing, I am – I, I fall victim to that, but it's also what, like they continued to make plays after that, the Ravens. Because they had the momentum back on their side. So you're saying they couldn't have driven the ball had they not gotten the 70-yard scoop and score touchdown? Not the way that things were going, because at that point, the Patriots' defense was starting to hit their stride and, and figured some things out. Whether it was Dante Hightower's impassioned speech on the sideline, after that, going into that – Second in the second in the third quarter, they figured something out. Like they were stopping the Ravens on offense, and they were moving the ball on their own offensively. So Edelman, if they're moving the ball pretty well in that drive before the fumble. If they go down oh, yeah. the four, they're they're up, and you have a whole different mindset from both sides. Yeah, I I don't know if I buy that. I don't know if they had quote figured it out or it was a case of the Ravens are a really good running game. Yep, and the Patriots are a good to very good defense. So you're going to have those natural ebbs and flows. There's going to be drives where the Ravens say, you know what, we can do this. We're going to run it down their throats. There's going to be other drives where the Patriots make plays and you say, Lamar Jackson can't really throw the ball. He's hitting his offensive lineman in the back of the head. He's missing open receivers. So I thought that was more natural ebbs and flows. So I'm not sure I'm willing to say. If you're a if rookie quarterback, a second-year quarterback, Lamar Jackson, and you just blow a 17 to nothing lead against the New England Patriots, you don't think his mindset was going to change? Well, I personally don't believe he's as soft as Darnold and maybe Mayweather and emotional. I think he has a little – huh? Mayweather, boxing. Oh, Merriweather. Yeah, sorry. Um, I mean, no. Mayfield. Um, Brandon Merriweather, Floyd Mayweather, and, of course, Baker Mayfield is the quarterback. I don't think he's as – I think he has a little – and I know this is stupid, so everybody can email in or say – he has a little it to him. Not I'm not here. sure it includes an NFL passing game. Nope. But I think he has a little it internally, whatever his competitive nature is. Um, but again, again, I don't – there's going to be a lot of um, extreme reactions to this game that the defense stinks. It was never as good. It was just false bravado based on the competition. And then there's going to be the opposite. That was good to get a loss out of the way. You don't have to worry about the exhaust uh, – Boomer Esiason on our airwaves, the exhausting uh, effort to go 19-0 and or whatever – Neither is this is not going to springboard them towards the Super Bowl. This is not going to kill their season, in my opinion. What it's going to do is say, you know, that running game, that defense that was a little questionable in Buffalo, and then that Le'Veon Bell had some success, and then Nick Chubb had some success. We might want to clean up that front. I think they're the rush defense. Actually, I would boil it down to this no extreme reactions, the exact opposite. Boring, cliche, old school football. Are the Patriots good enough in the trenches? Can they play run defense and protect Tom Brady and run the football at a playoff caliber level? Those are my questions coming out of this game. One answer, you hope, is Isaiah Wynn, right? You get Isaiah Wynn back. Because Marshall Newhouse, um, he is what he is. And that's a journeyman backup who is starting week in and week out at the most important position on the offensive line. You need to get him out of the lineup. Then the other part is, defensively, what do you do? What are the adjustments? Are they schematic? Are they personnel? 
is, you know, are these guys wearing down or did we overrate Adam Butler? Did we overrate Danny Shelton's second season and everything that's going on there? But to me, that's what I would take from this. Not these grand, you know, narratives of, oh, the competition sucked, you were overrated, or springboard, Super Bowl, you needed a loss. You, I think Brady used the word recalibrate. You always recalibrate after a loss. I think you get back to the fundamentals and say, trenches, are we good enough? Offensively, another me spinning this positively, I thought that Mohamed Sanu was the uh, th- that was what you wanted to get from from him. I think that he did a good job acclimating to the offense, had good, good chemistry with Tom Brady, and that's what the Patriots' offense is going to be moving forward. I don't think that they trust the running game. They obviously don't have any deep passing threats. So what you're going to get is these you know six to seven yard quick passes to Edelman, Sanu, maybe a little bit of James White, Dorsett. Like that's what the Patriots' offense is going to be. And like we talked about before. I don't know how sustainable that is just because you can't rely on Julian Edelman, James White, Muhammad Sanu, because what happens if one of those guys goes down? What happens if a defense takes one of those guys out of the game? Then what do you do? So it's good that they got Sanu involved and they're starting to kind of find their identity, but I don't know if this identity is good enough to win games in the playoffs when you go up against a good defense and those that I take away what you do best. You're so rarely dead on in these assessments in these podcasts, but dead on. It's very good to see that Brady throwing to him, comfortable, and I think that's almost as close to what you're going to get in a good game from Mohamed Sanu, and you lost by 17 points, right? And your offense in the end looked a little bit like the Brady offense in losses where one of the last plays you see is him just sort of chopping it up. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Again, it's good you diversified because instead of just Edelman and White, it's now Edelman, White, and Sanu. But I continue to go back to can you who's your playmaker? Who's your go-to guy in a tough situation? Can you is it sustainable to say essentially two slot receivers and a passing back are the core of my offense? That's your offense. They they did not run the ball at all, didn't even try. Well, because they can't run the football. James, here's one. James White looked like a better runner than Sony Michelle last night. Yes. Well, James White was one of the few guys. He got a thumbs up from me on our website. I, well, you had to give three of them, so. I, I did. But I also thought he continues to show he's good. Like, he's sort of the – it's almost like he's the anti-Philip Dorsett in a way. Like, he's going to step up in every game. I don't know if it'll be enough, but you're going to get something out of James White every game. Good, Like, against bad competition, it might be, you know – 10 catches for 140 yards. But against good competition, he's still going to make plays. Like, that's not a great matchup for him down the sideline against Earl Thomas, nope. a Pro Bowl caliber safety. And who made the play? James Wilder. Yep. Right? And as you said, you're not running the ball very well. Sony Michelle isn't running it at all. You, you're almost not deciding to run it at all as a team. But he ran it a little bit. Like, and he's not a runner. He's not even a good NFL runner. So he's one of those guys that always steps up. Whereas, where else are you getting that from? And, you know, I thought it was really, you know, you painted the positive. Sanu, 10 catches, 14 targets. Okay, he's getting in that circle of trust and blah, blah, blah. And then the downside, I would say, is Jacoby Myers got one snap on offense. Well, because they went 11 personnel every single play. So, um, Jacoby Myers can't play? Well, I think that the, for whatever reason, they thought the 11 personnel was going to be effective against the Ravens. So take Sanu out and put him in. Take Dorsett out and put him in. Why are we giving up on Jacoby Myers? And I know you're going tempo and you're trying not to sub a lot. I just – I don't like the idea that he got totally kicked to the side. Um, and I'd also – this is another pet peeve of mine. 
Yeah, it's here. And this is like a super fan, Andy, part of me, watching the game. How come when other teams run flea flickers, it leads to like a wide open bomb down the middle of the field for a 70-yard touchdown? Whenever the Patriots run a flea flicker, it leads to like, oh, a seven-yard gain on a crossing pattern that could have been run out of a traditional play. Well, because that was the like the fourth option on that play. I think the Ravens right. did a good job covering it. Yeah, that, that's my point. Well, because maybe the other teams are have that in the back of their mind to, to prepare for it. The problem with a flea flicker for the Patriots right well, now is – They can't play. run the ball, so they don't care. You don't fear the run, and you don't fear the deep ball. That's what a flea flicker is. It's a fake run to a deep ball, and you don't fear either, right? So I guess Josh should just throw that page of the playbook in the trash. Well, I think he's scrambling. I think well, he that's is. That's what he does all the time. Whenever he needs a big play, it's always a trick play. That's when, that's when you know they're desperate is when he calls out a trick play. The Super Bowl, the Edelman pass. When you're not that good personnel-wise and production-wise, he says, okay, i got to scheme it. i got to find a way to jumpstart us here. The first thing you turn to, and it has been for decades, is tempo, right? Then there's some trick plays, some flea flickers. Then this year what I would do, although probably at some point on the team, the screen pass has been arguably their best offensive weapon for weeks now. It was last night. Right. So I give him credit because I think they're a little bit limited offensively. But the bigger story is they were 8-0 because of their defense, right? Yep. So I think the bigger story is how does the defense react to this? You know, whether – I don't know if you saw it. The, the Packers got their ass kicked. And yep. Aaron Rodgers comes out and says, you know, maybe we needed this. Maybe we were uh, feeling a little too good and reading our, our press clippings a little bit. Well, the, the freaking boogeymen were basically writing their own press clippings. They were printing T-shirts and looking down on their own chest. Um, so maybe – they needed this to some degree as a little bit um, of a learning experience because I don't think it was all bad. I don't think, like, even though they gave up 210 yards rushing, yep. there was some positives on the front. I thought they were – there were some plays where they – I thought John Simon um, played pretty well. He got – he was out on the edge two or three different times and held Lamar Jackson to, like, you know, a five-yard run, a four-yard yep. run, strung him out. John Simon's not, you know – the greatest athlete to ever play the game. Like I thought that he did a pretty nice job on the edge there. So they, they, but again, that's a limited offense. That's an offense that doesn't really have passing weapons and it doesn't really have a passing quarterback. The other thing with that offense, though, it's, it's a unique offense. It's not one that you can prepare for. We still don't know who played the Mar Jackson practice all week. It's sort of like, you don't know what you're going to get until you're out there going up against it. And I'm sure the Ravens is something different than the Patriots saw on tape too. So, mm-hmm. It's you're not facing a traditional NFL offense. And I think that goes into what I'm saying, where once they figured out what the Ravens were doing, they were able to react and correct that for at least, you know, four or five drives. So I'm looking at the positive where once they figured out what the Ravens were doing, they were able to stop. To some degree, until they couldn't over 17 minutes into the final quarter plus of the game. But I think that, to your point, the Patriots' defense was gassed, too. I think the, the the plays were equal. I think both teams ran 65 offensive plays, and that's a lot. And I think the Patriots' defense got gassed similarly to what the Ravens ha- happened on, on their side of the ball. So, And the Patriots, they didn't really rotate many defenders either. Chase Winovich, only six snaps, I think. Yep. Dick Wise didn't play at all. Nope. So I think that they went to their – they dummy down their bodies, too. So if you – if you boiled this all down defensively, um, aberration, um, run defense stinks, uh, coaching has Belichick offered up that they got out coached early and that allowed the other. Where would you sort of point the finger? 
I would point the finger. I don't know. I don't know who do you point it at directly. But my overall thought is you are facing the second best point team in points per game in the league. Like they're supposed to score points. So yes, the Patriots isn't a, an historic defense, but they're also very good defense. And I don't think my opinion changed of the defense. We, we, me and you both knew that they weren't a historic defense. They weren't the 2000 Ravens because they played, but they showed that they can stop a good offense when, you know, you'd like to see more plays, but my opinion of the defense really didn't change much from that game. I don't know about you. Um, I'm a little down on it. I'm a little less positive about it. Because like up front, the back yeah, end? The run, the run defense. I think the pass defense is fine. Um, I may change that opinion like, I don't know, the Chiefs game, let's say. if I'm The podcast after the Chiefs game, check back with me what I think about the pass defense. Um, and I'll be interested to see if these other teams with – similar or somewhat similar quarterback play. Like, all these teams could do this if they want to. From Carson Wentz, yep. Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying they're Lamar Jackson, but they might want to throw some wrinkles in where they do a little bit of option. You know, some of these read option or traditional option, just leave the defensive end unblocked, read him and pitch it or keep it a little bit just to kind of loosen up the front and maybe that control word. Because the Patriots have controlled – mentally and physically, basically every team they've played most of the year, right? This yeah. was a game where they didn't at all. You know, they were the one playing they were the one playing catch up. They were the one that was sort of reacting to Lamar Jackson, reacting. And I will get back to we've done it already. We've spent a boatload of time talking about Lamar Jackson. What did I tell you all week that the focus should have been on? Him. No. Who? Mark Ingram, the traditional running game. You didn't say that. You said Lamar Jackson. Uh, go back and listen to any any uh, piece of audio I did all week. I think I think the podcast we did last Wednesday, we mentioned Mark Ingram like once. Well, that was because your, your fault. Bad job leading it. But okay. all the real audio I did all week, talking to Mutt, who does a great job at nights on our station, talking to Dale and Keith. They do a great job in the afternoon, talking to Wiggy, Mark James. It was Mark Ingram. A lot of Andy Hart in the station this week. Probably too much. Probably probably fair to say too much. Um, but Mark Ingram, and you didn't stop Mark Ingram. He was bursting off runs. Now, he had a fumble, no question, that helped change the game early back in the Patriots' favor after it looked like it could get out of hand. But he also gashed you for whatever it was, 115 yards rushing, um, including a big one that he didn't fumble at the end of, like Nick Chubb. So, I don't know. I, I don't want to be too reactionary in any singular direction, but if I were going to be – it's, it's back to that run defense. You're you probably know, right. Because they don't have the bodies. I mean, they have Lawrence Guy, Danny Shelton. Adam what about the boogeyman? Well, that's not – that's talking linebackers. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think the linebackers played all that well. Well, because I don't think your run-stopping linebackers were out there much because you're more concerned about stopping Lamar Jackson with speed. So, like, Alandon Roberts, he didn't play that much. I don't care about Alandon Roberts. Chung didn't play that much. So you're, like, run-stopping. That's what happens. That's why the Ravens are good because they have so much speed that they're able to dictate what, the, what you do defensively, and that opens you up to get gashed with the running game. That's just a credit to them. Dante Hightower played 55 snaps. Jamie Collins played six. Dante Hightower was the best defensive player in the field last night for the Patriots. The best? Yes. Oh, I thought he got blown up too too often too early on the inside. I got tackles. You look this up. How many tackles do you think Dante Hightower had? He had like eleven tackles or something. Thirteen tackles. Thirteen tackles. Okay. How many did he have that were important or for losses or end of drive? 
phone's ringing in the background, in case you heard. I can hear. Why don't you get it? You're doing live podcasts. I'm just going to let it go. Why don't you get it? Very important. Hey, where do you live? Beverly. Yeah, it's from Beverly, Mass. No, I'm calling you up. Um, I didn't think Dante Hightower played a great game. I didn't think Jamie Collins did. I didn't think they're athletes. You want to call yourself boogeyman and you want to have your little face on your sweatshirts, just like Lamar Jackson. If you want to call yourself sort of this new age, unique quarterback, which one of those showed up? Lamar Jackson's the answer. Yeah, agreed. But okay. I'm just saying, I thought Hightower had a good game last night. Who, you know, I, I did not. Um, who, who's the enemy of the boogeyman? I've never seen these movies. I don't really understand what it's called. I'm not your guy. Sorry. The boogeyman went back into the closet last night or wherever the boogeyman hide. I think we, we stopped seeing the boogeyman sweatshirts in the Patriots locker room. I think there's a chance, and I think there's a chance that that could come under the direction of one William Belichick. Yep. But those guys. No more gimmick. You, you don't get to have a gimmick when you get your balls kicked in on national TV on Sunday Night Football. And make no mistake, that's what happened. Um, yeah. Elsewhere. Well, yeah. go ahead. I'll let you go. No, elsewhere. What? Well, I continue to harp on this. When are they going to run the ball? They're not. I, okay. I think that they've abandoned that. I think that they've lost all trust in Sony Michelle. And so they're really just going to be a short passing team? Yes. Just, just that. Yes, they've said this for weeks. They're trying to find their identity. I think that they found it. That's what they're going to be. These short, quick passes that essentially are running plays and sometimes, but that's, just, that's their strength of their offense. Edelman, Sanu, White. Who would you rather have, Edelman, Snoop, White, or Michelle, Burkhead, Bolden? Like, that's your strength of your offense. That Damian Harris. Who still is not active. Why wasn't he? Was, were 46 other guys active? <laughs> I, I, I heard that, or I saw that line. I was in the Ravens locker room, and I saw that on Twitter. Was it not a terrible line by Bill? Nikhil Harry, he, he's the answer. No, he's not. I know. He's not. If he was the answer, he would have been active last night. And he was. We went about 20 minutes of positive. It really trended towards the negative in the last few minutes. Because they lost. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and what the, they are what they are. Like, Nikhil Harry is not changing this offense. There's people out there that think, like, he's a first-round pick. And he's going to change the offense and be the weapon that Tom Brady needs and the one that fights for contested catches like Josh Gordon was supposed to be. That's not happening. If that was going to happen, he would have played last night. Like, he, he is what he is. At this point, a guy that missed eight games, nine games now, missed all of tr- the preseason, training camp, all that, doesn't have the same chemistry with Tom Brady. Just look at what Brady said on Friday. He's talked about, oh, the rookies, they don't have these expectations to know. Like, So he's clearly down on rookies. Whether he says it or not, just, just look at his comments. He's down on rookies. Um, and he's up on Sanu, which I oh, think – and everybody is, by the way. And for good reason. Like, the guy came in here two weeks ago and had 14 targets, 10 catches, was, you know, involved in every play. There were rarely miscommunications. Like, he seems like the perfect Patriot. And you lost. Yeah, but you're playing a a good team, so I don't think it totally – No, my point is, he's your traded deadline addition. He's your – you gave up a second-round pick to get him. He's the guy Brady apparently called for, wanted to get, has gotten him, now clearly wants to – Give him a lot of opportunities early, but build that relationship. And I would argue to what end? I think Muhammad Sanu is a complimentary player. What would you, but, but what? So you would have traded for an offensive lineman? No, I'm just saying your big deal 
might not be that big a deal. Well, because that shows how bad of a position you're in to begin with. Something that Patriots fans don't want to acknowledge, that your offense was like below average, and now it's maybe slightly above average with the addition of Sanu. And I think my point is, Sanu's a veteran. He's been around. I think he will naturally evolve over the course of the season, over the second half of the season, into the postseason. Nikhil Harry won't. He certainly won't if he's one of the guys that are inactive. I just don't I don't see um, the ceiling, I guess, in terms of Sanu. I see the floor. It's a high floor, as we say, when the you know, draft comes around. It's a high floor. He's going to be a good complimentary player. What's the ceiling? Like, if you invest all in, what's the ceiling? Probably what we got last night, honestly. Okay. And it wasn't good enough. It but, isn't good enough. I don't know. You can't say that. Like a 10 Again, they lost. 10 catches for 80 yards is pretty solid. Did he change the game in any way? I thought he had some decent catches on third downs. And okay. Some decent catches on third get down don't change the game. <laughs> okay, but you can make the same case for Julian Edelman and James White. No, I, I know. That's the point. Right. We agree. So you're rolling the dice and investing everything in something that I don't think is good enough. Whereas I don't know if Nikhil Harry can be more than, than that. Well, I don't know what you're saying. You said that you think that they shouldn't have gone out and spent a second rounder on Sanu? No, I didn't say that. I said I don't think it should come at the cost of everything else. Jacoby Myers, you don't get to play. Nikhil Harry, you're inactive. It looks like they're just going to invest in this, what we saw last night, these veterans that Brady's comfortable with that really may not be good enough because Mohamed Sanu's not a game changer. He just well, isn't. Maybe, never has been. maybe during this bye week, Brady spends some extra time with Harry, Myers, Gunner, and maybe, you know, he – or maybe Costa Rica. his trip to the Bahamas, wherever yeah. he's going to go. and He'll be in Costa Rica surfing. Probably. Probably. And so I guess now I just hold out the 20% chance that Gronk's coming back. I don't think that's going to happen. I hate to break it to you. What about the three teams that are still interested in Antonio Brown? I think, uh, I think honestly, this is a whole, like, leak conspiracy leaking from the league to try to make sure that, like, they're – getting out some good press like so they're not completely blackballing him like Colin Kaepernick that's my conspiracy theory like if this is really true about the the Seahawks showing interest in Antonio Brown why did that come out yesterday after they signed Josh Gordon why was it coming out beforehand well I think they didn't maybe didn't want to show their hand or whatever but I I, I read that as they realized that Antonio Brown's not playing this year that if they sure. did do their due diligence. if any team signs him the, the, he's gonna go on the exempt list and that's obvious at this point uh, that's how I would read the. Well, basically, Antonio Brown suspended without being suspended. Correct. Yeah, and which, he's not coming back to the Patriots. Sorry. That's probably accurate, and I don't think Gronk's coming back either. Nope. So you are what you are. And that's an offense that needs to find its way. So the answer is Damian Harris. Maybe. Yeah, that doesn't feel great either. Putting all nope. that stock in Damian Harris and, and the ground game. Nope. You are what you are. You are you are. Last night was what you're going to be the rest of the year, so get used to it. Well, the good news is they're 8-1. and one. Yep. They still very much, as people like to say, control they're their – the number one seed in the AFC. Well, yeah, we'll see. I know people – a lot of people thought with a win last night they lost. Yeah, today, they're the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah, and that really gets you something. November 4th, who gives a rat's ass? Again, I'm being Mr. Positive. They're number one yeah, in the It AFC. doesn't work for you, so stop. I know. It really doesn't. It's unnatural. And the reality is, we talked about this last week. How many losable games? Four more? Uh, Their next, whatever. Yeah, probably four games are all losable. You could even throw the Bills in there if you want to be overly negative. Um, So they got some work to do. And I know everybody else does too. The only, my only point on that is if your other teams, I, if I'm the Chiefs, I sell myself on upside. 
Patrick Mahomes is coming back healthy. Oh, definitely. They're, they, they, they're winning games with Matt Moore, quarterback. Right. Tyreek Hill is healthy now. Did you, by the way, did you see Tyreek Hill on the uh, Williams touchdown run? Yeah. What was he, he 22 miles an hour? And he caught him from like 15 yards, and, and he wanted to prove a point. Did you hear his comments? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, that's a total aside. Um, yeah. I, okay. I'm good. Me too. So bye week. We don't know the Patriots schedule yet, but we will probably have a midweek bye week podcast. Um, some bye week stuff coming to the website. That we have to plan out some midseason awards. Ooh, uh, MVP. Some other cool stuff that we'll have to figure out over the next couple of days or so. And um, I guess we'll have a podcast at some point in the middle of this week. Follow us on Twitter, Off Day Pod. Subscribe, rate us. This podcast is coming a little bit late. I was coming back from Baltimore. Nice job. Um, Hey, I'm back in Boston. And it's 9:30. I was sleep. ready immediately. I didn't sleep. You were ready last night. Yep. I Actually, by the way, you don't look or sound too bad for a guy who hasn't slept. Well, I'm gonna crash in about two hours, so that's okay. You got nothing the rest of the day. Enjoy. This is true. All right, we'll talk to you in the middle of the week. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Peace out.